For 70 million years, the Grand Canyon has been formed by the powerful and unpredictable waters of the Colorado River. The canyon follows the river's path for 277 miles, all of it snake-like, treacherous, and deep. In each of its countless crevices and pools, the river holds many secrets. Some are known only by the few who venture down to the water to brave it, while others are secrets that to this day, only the river knows. All right, we've got a very exciting episode uh, today. Fans of the podcast will remember our very special guest, Jeremy Moore, who is back with us today. Um, If you have been listening to the podcast, you have heard maybe one of his five episodes now. This is episode number five. Uh, He's joined us in the past to talk about Flat Earth, as well as World War I, uh, Endurance and the Shackleton story, And lastly, he joined us to talk about Mallory and Irvine. All fantastic episodes, I have to say, each of them. And this is now episode five. So uh, Jeremy's leading us in. This is a topic that is blind to both race and I. So we're going in to learn uh, what Jeremy has to share. But before anything else, he's going to tee us off with a getting to know you question. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, this is episode number five. And by my count, this is unsolved mystery number four, right? Oh, for we each did, of us. yeah. Well, well, we did Mallory and Irvine, and then we did Is the Earth Flat? <laughs> <laughs> and then I guess we technically solved that one. We said, okay, if the Earth is flat, <laughs> then where did Shackleton go? <laughs> Fair. No, oh, this, this, <laughs> those are not unsolved mysteries. World War um, One is kind of an unsolved mystery. Still to this day, I why do we keep learning about Franz Ferdinand? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, yeah. Getting to know you question. Shout out to my good friend, Chris, uh, who was inspired by a question that I asked him to then formalize this question, which is, if you could Freaky Friday with any one person and we'll say that they have to be living, but you don't have to know them. They can be like global. Mm-hmm. Um, who would you Freaky Friday with and what would you do with your day? So okay. I, as soon as I heard this, I have two answers um, for very different reasons. So I feel like if I'm going to properly take advantage of the Freaky Friday, I need to you know, clearly switch with somebody so I can experience things that I can't currently experience. And for some reason, one of the first names that came to my mind was Alex Honnold. Oh, the free climber. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I, I, this is how it went. I thought I would love to be like a peak, like to be in crazy good shape. I would like to know how that feels to just be like, all of my muscles are, you know, like tuned to do a certain task that I've really dedicated my life to like, I and I've I've resigned myself. I'm never going to be in Alex Honnold shape in my life. I just know that that's probably not in the cards. So it was like, that'd be cool. I could be and I started I think maybe the first name I thought of was Michael Phelps. And then I was like, ooh, Alex mm. Honnold is like, there's no spare weight on his body. Every muscle mm. is like tuned for this exact crazy job. So that would be a really interesting experience like that. I've never, you know, that I can't currently experience in my body. But then the other thing is, I am terrified of heights and I don't know the exact rules of this particular freaky Friday, (laughs) but if I could take, you know, in inhabit Alex Hunold's body, including his like, you know, fearlessness in the face of just absolutely butt puckering heights for me, I would love to do that. I think that'd be really cool to just be like fearless and completely able to do that. So Alex Hunold was my first, um, my first thought. And then my second thought um, for completely different reasons, is I would love to uh, Freaky Friday with Avril Haines. Do either of you know who that is? No idea. No. Um, I honestly didn't know her name. I, I, I thought of the position, and then I had to look up who is currently in this position, which it's funny that none of us know who this person okay, is. Okay, now I have a guess. Who do you think it is? <laughs> is that like a high-ranking person in the CIA? 
yeah, it's it's the director of national. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she is over the CIA and then some. She's the basically the person who hands, whether digitally or physically, the president the presidential daily briefing every day. Oh. So I mean, this oh, lady okay. knows everything that's gonna like. She, and she, I'm sure there's stuff she doesn't. Obviously, there's things she's like, well. Today, we're not going to include that in the presidential daily briefing. So she knows more than the president. And uh, that would be super duper cool just for the day. So if I were Alex Honnold, I would just go free solo something that I wouldn't even want to like look at in my real life and let alone be able to climb. And then if I was Avril Haines, I would just I'd learn everything about the aliens and Area 51. Although the problem is if I bring the knowledge back with me, I probably won't be able to ever sleep again, knowing all the things that he knows about like <laughs> terrorist threats and world. Government and everything. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, what, what a curtain to peek behind. So those are my, uh, my two, which they're both initialed AH. I don't know what that means, but uh, I know. Very interesting. Uh, both great choices. I think in response to the question you posed, I think we have to take the Lindsay Lohan Jamie Lee Curtis <laughs> film as like these are the parameters of Freaky Friday, which importantly means that like the consequences of the day like um continue on, right? <laughs> like Jamie Lee Curtis still has a haircut at the end of the day, right? <laughs> um and so, but it also means that you might still be afraid of heights, right? Because Lindsay Lohan goes to be a therapist and she's mm. like I, she doesn't know what the word senility. Right. Okay. So then my, my substitute for Alex Honnold, if I'm going to be afraid of heights, then I want to be Michael Phelps because I'm not afraid of swimming. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, and the question is, do you even know like proper swimming technique? Right. Oh, that's true. I could figure it out with, but with we'll, all I, we can allow it. it yeah. <laughs> I love this question. And I think my immediate thought was outside of the parameters of the question too. I, I mean, I kind of danced around a lot of options. But I initially thought like, oh, you get to read their thoughts and memories. Uh, and uh, that does not seem to be the case with the Freaky Friday <laughs> movie. So I'm going to exclude that one. I didn't think about national secrets at all. I think that's a great idea. Uh, <laughs> wanting to know what's behind the closed books. Um, I would say my, honestly, my serious thought that I would like actually like to choose is a person that I don't know and I don't know their name because I think one of the cool things about getting to do Freaky Friday is that you could go experience life in a new place that mm -hmm. otherwise you'll never get to see. Yep. I didn't even really like select a particular place, but there's so many places in the world that I'm never going to be able to see. And I'm like, oh, it would be cool to, you know, live in Patagonia for a day or, you know, Siberia or something like some remote place that, uh, the rest of us would not be equipped to live in or experience. And, you know, someone who does live there would be able to do it. Um, in that same vein, I would say maybe an astronaut would be cool. <laughs> if, oh, yeah. The day that they're going to space. Um, so blank person is, I think, my first answer. And um, a real person that I do know who she is, uh, I would say Kesha, because <laughs> I just went to see her in concert. Her life seems wild. I think it would be fun to experience <laughs> that uh, for a day and see how does Kesha live. Those to me She's... were kind of the the options, like either explore a new place or live like as a celebrity. Mm. Is Kesha still on tour? I think it just ended. I feel like uh, oh, okay, that's good. Show, but I can't remember. Or else you would end up like Lindsay, Lohan and I'd have to perform. Act like yeah, yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> that is very Freaky Friday. Uh, two two more good options. Yeah, if you could if you could Freaky Friday with an Everest climber who's at like the last camp before yeah. summit, do you, could you do the rest of the climb? Probably not, right? It's no, scary. I would die. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that person would wake up in in West Hollywood and be like, "Dang it, I was so <laughs> close." Yeah, that's a horror movie from their perspective. <laughs> um, okay, so my first thought was Elon Musk and before anybody gets the misgivings <laughs> that I am a fan of Elon Musk I have nefarious intentions for this Friday <laughs> um, 
I was thinking first, number one, change the name of the website and app back to Twitter. Right. Oh, yes. Um, and then I'm like, how much money could I legally transfer to the bank account of Jeremy Moore in 24 hours time without like drawing suspicion from people? Right. But I'm like, if I could transfer $30 billion to my real self, then I could get back in my body and like immediately retire and just be a philanthropist for the rest of my life. Right. And just go about doing good things. Um, so I thought about that. And then uh, my good friend was like, have you considered what Elon Musk would do with your life? in 24 hours time and i was like oh no my poor wife would have to be married to elon musk and she would have no idea what's going on and it would be like i'm trying to send me money but he's trying to send it back to preserve his fortunes i have no idea how it would turn out but i feel like it would be bad and um yeah i don't really have a second option i guess my second option would be like lebron james or like maybe uh, an NBA star who's mm. more in his physical prime. And I would just dunk a basketball like all day long. Mm -hmm. And I would experience life as a tall person in shape. <laughs> and then maybe if like LeBron or another NBA superstar had to like slum it up in my life for 24 hours, they would like gift me $5 million. And I couldn't be like a lifelong retired philanthropist, but I could at least have nice things and give some of it away. Yeah, your poor wife would be so confused. She'd be like, Jeremy, why are you acting so weird? And why won't you accept this money from Elon Musk? <laughs> and he would just be like, ah, the space loop. Ah! <laughs> He'd be like, let's have a baby and name it Hairbrush. <laughs> okay, so I like, I love the idea of using Freaky Friday for nefarious purposes. So hear me out on... Uh, what I think could be a great third National Treasure movie, which is called <laughs> National Treasure 3 Freaky Friday. And it's starring <laughs> Lindsay Lohan, who in adulthood um, thinks back to her experience having Freaky Friday and then realizes she can use that to her advantage. So she returns to the Chinese restaurant to get Freaky Friday with the President of the United States. <laughs> and yep. then as the President... Uh, she steals all the money in the treasury and the secret of Area 51, and she I love it, it to the world. I, I like that. I would watch that. Okay, today we are discussing the unsolved mystery that is the fate of Glenn and Bessie Hyde. Glenn and Bessie Hyde were uh, a couple. They were born in the late 1800s, early 1900s. So they were married in 1927. And the next year, 1928, they set out on a honeymoon trip to raft the Grand Canyon, which is, uh, I think, a pretty dangerous, not like dangerous like Mount Everest, but like not without significant risk today. Uh, in the 1920s, like very much dangerous. Um, but they set out on October 20th in 1928. And then on November 12th, 1928, they were seen, they hiked out, they like pulled over on the side of the river, they left their boat and they hiked out to get uh, more supplies. And then they hiked back down into their boat and they were seen like once or twice over the next few days from like while they were on the river from people above and then they were never seen again. So um, some background information about Glenn and Bessie Hyde and especially about their river rafting trip that might be important context as we dive into the hypotheticals and decide which one feels more likely or plausible. Uh, the first thing to note is that they did not bring life jackets, um, even though even in 1920, they were recommended um, some sort of flotation device or life preserver and they were arrogant or naive or foolish enough to think that they did not need them. The second thing to note is that they were using a craft called a sweep sco. And um, if you guys 
look at the doc that I've sent. The first picture is them, and then the second picture is is Glenn in the sweep SCO, so you can get an idea of what's going on. But a SCO is a box, basically. So it has a flat bottom, which is like pretty much a no-no for river running craft. Um, I guess maybe like a canoe would have a flat bottom, but in general, um, flat bottom is a no-no. Uh, it has flat sides, and then it has an angled front and an angled back. And the sweep uh, part of the name Sweepsco refers to these massive, heavy oars that are anchored off the front and the back of the boat, and they're piloted from the middle. And then I think you stand when you're piloting these sweeps from the middle. And so something to note about running river rapids or swift rivers is that the key is maneuverability. Right. So with a river as powerful as the Colorado running through the Grand Canyon, you are not going to dictate um, like what you do in the river necessarily. You're not going to dictate what the river does, nor would you ever. Right. Um, and so you want to find the safest, which is often the quickest route through the water. And it might be changing as you approach or pass certain obstacles in the river. And so the key is maneuverability and not necessarily power is what I mean. Mm -hmm. uh, if we're talking about like something that's hand power or like man powered, right? Like if you have an engine and an inflatable boat, like, yeah, okay, you can, you can go upstream if you want to, but if you are trying to run the river, the point is not to be powerful. It's to be light and agile so that you can let the river dictate we are going from top to bottom and you dictate I'm going left to right so that I take the safest and often quickest route through these rapids. And so the problem with a uh, sweep SCO is that it doesn't control, um, <clears throat> it doesn't really control either, right? So from the front of a boat in a raging river, a front oar is going to do very little to dictate left and right and then the back is like a rudder so you can dictate left and right but you can't generate any speed um so like if you're in a kayak and you've got a two you know a double-sided oar you can you can maneuver yourself left to right really quickly um you use your body to point the boat and then you use your oars to say i want to go this direction very quickly or i want to go this direction a bit more slowly with your paddles on the front and back you really cannot control where you're going particularly well and definitely not how fast you get there because there's no way to propel yourself through the water with front and back oars. So it's not necessarily unclear why they used a sweeps code. They used a sweeps code because I, I'm pretty sure they're from Idaho and they took um, a river rafting trip before they went on the Colorado. And I'm, I think it was on the snake river and it was like, not, um, not without rapids, not without, difficulty and danger, but the people that they learned to run rivers from used SCOs and they were on that river their entire careers or lives. And so that's what the hides knew and that's what they decided would be good enough to do the Colorado through the Grand Canyon. Um, another thing to note is that many people tried to talk them out of it, right? So people with previous experience running rivers and um, Oh, so, so their previous experience with river running was one trip on the Snake River with a sweepsco. Uh, but like, in the face of insurmountable odds, I guess, they wanted to set the speed record for running the Grand Canyon. And <laughs> Bessie was also wanting to be the first woman to successfully do it. Uh, another thing to note, maybe the last thing for context, is it's unclear whether they were having a good time together. So people that were asked later after their disappearance, you know, what did you see from the hides, said they might have been at each other's throats. And river running is, you know, probably a stressful time, and you're supposed to be on your honeymoon, and yet you're, <laughs> you're trying to defy death and the record books in this unwieldy box. It's not like they were supposed to be having the time of their lives, but the reporting says it may have been worse than that, right? So that's your background information. So like I said, they were last seen on November 12th, 1928, and only a month after they were last seen, 
uh, Glenn's father started to put together search efforts for them because they were originally expecting to be done on December 6th is what they told their family. And so roughly a week after that, a week overdue is when he started to, to put together search efforts. Um, but this is the Grand Canyon. Like you guys have been there, right? It's remote today. And then you go back a hundred years into the past. It's one of the rem most remote places in the world um, down by the river and in all the expansive side canyons coming off the river itself. And so, you know, very few people wanted to actually run the river looking for them because it was dangerous. He got, um, he did get people to put together a boat, but not until he had organized search plane efforts um, that were going over the area. And so a search plane actually spotted their boat. And this is the third picture in the document. And this is the picture that they took of the boat in the place and condition that it was found. And so if you're listening along and you Google like Glenn Bessie Hyde, Sco found or something like that, you'll find kind of an eerie unsettling picture of this, this box boat um, in still under, undisturbed water with like no trace of the humans that left it there, right? And a so quick note here, by the way, we'll also put these in the Instagram account so that you can follow perfect. along as well. Perfect. Um, so here's a list of a few things that were found in the boat. The boat was found like packed in working condition, right? So these things were not like thrown about. They were like tucked into their corners. They found Glenn's gun. They found 42 notches carved into the wood of the boat, presumably one for each day of the trip. They found Bessie's journal, which had last been entered on November 30th. They found Bessie's camera, along with six rolls of film. They found food supplies. They found hiking shoes and winter coats. And then this is the most important uh, piece of evidence that they found. They found next to the boat, tied off to a rock, a rope that was fully loaded with weight, like taut with weight. And it was the other end of it was in the water. And we'll pause here. What guesses do you guys have about what was on the end of that rope? You just said it was a weight? Uh, it was taut with weight. So oh, like one one side of the rope is tied to the rock and the other side's in the water and it's like pulled tight. Hmm. I mean, I assumed it was an anchor. I think the rock is the anchor. The rock then, is the anchor. Because it's tied to the rock. It's not tied to the boat. Oh, it's tied to the rock. Okay. Something sinister. Yeah, I'm nervous. <laughs> The answer is we will never know because they cut the rope. Uh, yeah, they. I, I think the rope was like running through the boat or something like that. I don't know. It's unclear. Um, but they cut it because they just weren't sure that they were ever going to be able to get it out of the water. And one of the biggest questions of the whole story is... Is there a body on the end of that rope? Yeah. So the the two ends of the rope, the one is tied to a rock and the other one we don't know. The other one's in the water. Yeah. And it went through the boat, like over top of it. It may have gone over top of it. I I can't remember why they cut it, like what they were concerned about. Let me see if I can find it really quick. Sadly, the Wikipedia article on this is pretty scarce. So we are running off the book that I found in the Grand Canyon bookstore. Uh, it's called Sunk Without a Sound, and it's exhaustive, um, but it's a good read. Could they have set it up to use as like an anchor for someone to swim on? Like you tie yourself to the rope? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that's plausible here. Definitely plausible. Okay, I found the page. Oh, okay, yeah. So the problem was just the situation that they were in. So it's not a danger to capsize the boat. The rock is tied, or the rope is tied to the rock, and then the other end is in the water, and the boat is like undisturbed next to the rope. 
the problem is that they are trying to get these supplies out of this boat and they still have to keep going down the river and that trip of their own turned out to be like very dangerous so it was like late in the day and late in the trip and they were like we still have to get out of here like we cannot spend forever here so they just cut the rope they cut it okay and i think um you know hindsight's 2020 but in this moment I think they're very much viewing it as like a rescue mission and not like a murder or not a murder, but like not a disappearance investigation. Right. Mm -hmm. It's not let's piece the, let's piece the puzzle pieces together to find out what happened to them. It's, Oh, here's their boat. Like they've got to be around here somewhere. Something like that. Um, So I think the most important takeaway from the items that are in the boat is that Glenn and Bessie Hyde did not intentionally leave their boat Mm -hmm. because the number one question with their disappearance is, did they drown or did they leave the boat to try to walk out of the Canyon and never succeed? Right. And considering the evidence that's left behind in the boat and the condition that it was in, they almost certainly did not intentionally leave the boat to try to walk out of the canyon because everything that they would need is still in the boat, yeah. right? To have kind of a successful rescue mission there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, leaving the gun seems unlikely if they've got a the gun. The yeah, the even the journal. I, maybe you, you yeah. would pack light, but the gun, the food the yeah. shoes, the coat, all that stuff. The body on the end the, of the um, you got to bring that with you. <laughs> right. Was the boat in a place where it could have been moved in the past? You said it was like a week since they had gotten to it. Yeah, so this was um, this was December 24th. And so it's six weeks after anyone has seen six them. Weeks, yeah. It's like two weeks after they've started searching. And according to her journal, it's a month since she entered anything in the okay. journal. And did it look like the boat had been moved? Uh, moved from where? From where it was a month ago. Like the rope was not keeping the boat in place, was it? The rope was not keeping the boat in place. The boat is just in calm water. Oh. Uh, also worth noting, there's water in the boat. Um, it does rain occasionally there um like the water's got to come from somewhere but it's not clear whether they were running rapids and you know the water got the best of them and there's water in the boat now and oh they got knocked out by a wave or if it's just been sitting there for so long that it's been collecting rainwater oh okay because if they intentionally left the boat thinking we'll come back really quickly um would it have been in the place where the boat was found? I think is kind of what I'm asking. That makes sense. Yeah. So um, possible theories, if they had left the boat, they almost certainly would have left it on the shore, but that Mm. doesn't mean that they would have left it in a position where it was never going to be carried by the river. If they, if they weren't back in time, right. They could have been asleep and the boat could have gotten away from them and they could have gone into the river to try to reclaim the boat. Um, or they could have said, we've got to get out of here for reasons X, Y, and Z here, let's put the boat on the shore and then the water takes it. But then if the water took it, then how did the rock with the rope go with it? Would it have also gotten carried away? Uh, no. Yeah. I think that's a good point, right? I don't think the boat can be particularly far away from wherever they last had it on the shore. And I think to your point, I think what the, I think the evidence is establishing that like when they left the boat, it probably wasn't on the shore. Right. They probably left it near the rock. Pretty much where it was. Yeah. Okay. So that's the boat and the boat and the journal are basically the two biggest pieces of evidence. Um, it's like really sad to note that Glenn's father continued to search. Um, he basically went bankrupt and he was 70 years old. He searched for 37 days initially without finding any trace of them. 
and then return the next year for another surge. And then I think intended to return the next year for another surge. And I think that was roughly when the Great Depression hit. But basically ran himself out of like life force and money trying to find mm -hmm. any trace of what happened to his son and his his daughter-in-law which is really tragic wow. but this is kind of uh where we exit phase one of the mystery and enter phase two so yeah phase one we have we have no bodies we have no living beings and we have a boat full of evidence that mostly just suggests that they didn't mean to leave the boat but they're obviously not in it um as we head into phase two, um, we're going to take a more sinister turn and the Glenn and Bessie Hyde story is going to pop up over the, the coming years with uh, a little mystery and maybe even a little murder attached. Okay, so up to this point, no offense to the Hydes, it's tragic what happened or did not happen to them, but not that there's no mystery. There's a mystery of like, did they try to exit the canyon for some reason and, and fail, or did they drown in the river? But there's no mystery as to their ultimate fate, which is that they died, right? Because- No one, no one is asking, are the hides still out there? No one's asking if the hides are still like living on river water and rainwater and rats in a, in a side canyon. I mean, by now enough people have run the river, they would have come down and asked for help. Also, they'd be well over a hundred. Um, so why is this an unsolved mystery? And so let's jump forward in the future, 50 years. So 50 years later, in 1971, a river rafting trip is running the Grand Canyon, right, the Colorado River. And by this point, it's like Grand Canyon river running lore that when you're guiding a, a rafting trip, you stop on, you know, the second night or the third night and you say, it's time to talk about the hides, right? And you share the story of Glenn and Bessie Hyde. And I think they do it when they're like roughly around the river or the rapid that is like the last one that the hides came to, right? And so in 1971, this guy's nickname is OC and he's uh, midway through the story of Glenn and Bessie Hyde. And there was a woman, her name was Liz Cutler and she stopped him like mid story and she said, I'm Bessie Hyde. And he says, so why don't you tell us what happened then? And she said, I'm Bessie Hyde. I know what happened. And he said, what did you do with Glenn? <laughs> Without looking up from the fire, she said, I killed him. Somewhere along here, we had a really bad fight and he beat me up. So late that night, I got a knife and I stabbed him. After I drug him into the river and turned the boat loose, I started walking downstream because we knew Diamond Creek was not too far. And that's like a, like a trade post, right? I finally reached the road and no one was there. So I walked back up to Peach Springs and caught a Greyhound bus and went back east. Shout out to Greyhound buses. I did not know that they had been <laughs> in operation for that long. But this woman, Liz Cutler, 50 years after the fact, says, I'm Bessie Hyde. I stabbed him in the back, threw his body in the river, and walked myself out of the Grand Canyon. Now, I am going to leave us mid-story with Liz Cutler and fast forward five more years. It's 1976. There's a man named em Emery Cobb and he is like synonymous with Grand Canyon through the course of his life. He has had a cabin on the rim of the canyon. He's been like bickering with the National Park Service over whether or not he's allowed to keep it when the, when the canyon area becomes a national park, right? He's a well-known figure during the 1900s in the Grand Canyon area. And he dies in 1976. And the National Park Service is clearing out his cabin and in a boat that is hung in the rafters of his garage, 
they find a skeleton. Whoa. And his grandson is there. And his grandson says, yeah, we knew that was there. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, sorry, what? And he said, my grandfather found that skeleton in the 1930s. And the skull had teeth fillings. So they ruled out any pre-modern time frame, Mm -hmm. right? And he said, yeah, my grandfather would lend it to the local school for like science class. And they would use it. And then the school stopped using it and they gave it back. (laughs) And he like wanted to get rid of it, but nobody would take it. So he just left it in his garage. Wow. So the National Park Service has the skeleton sent for analysis and analysis rules that this is about a six foot 20s age male with a bullet in the skull. And they can't be sure about the caliber caliber of the bullet, but it's somewhere in the range of the 30-30 rifle that was in the Hyde's boat. Okay. And so immediately everyone takes off with the story and it's like, we just found the body that Liz Cutler murdered, right? (laughs) Maybe it was self-defense, it sounds like. And so an author is working on this book of what happened to the Hides and he calls up Liz Cutler and he's like, hey, can we talk about your story? And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, Glenn and Bessie Hyde. She says, I've never heard of them in my life. What? (laughs) (laughs) Isn't this crazy? Oh no. It ends up on television. There's an NBC Unsolved Mysteries episode that says Liz Cutler confessed to being Bessie Hyde and the skeleton of Glenn Hyde is found in Emery Cobb's cabin garage. Which, if I'm following, by the way, there's a key discrepancy here, which is that she stabbed him. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's like... They have the location and the suspect, right? But they don't oh, have the weapon. weapon. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they don't win they the clue. They would lose clue, yeah. And it's like, well, she said she stabbed him. And it's like, well, yeah, she had to throw them off the scent. And it's like the scent that she yeah. just put them on <laughs> by telling them that she's Bessie Hyde and she killed her husband. So this goes all the way to television without anybody stopping to really do enough research. And then as soon as it's on television, enough research happens that it pretty much falls apart, sadly. Um, So for one, Liz Cutler is a woman whose birth certificate was found along with pictures of her with her family at an early age before 1928, right? These family members know who she is. They remember her. So she's not part of the... Uh, I forget Bessie's uh, maiden name, but she's not Bessie Hyde in do terms they, of like from the beginning of her life. Do they remember her to be a liar? <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of what comes out of it. Yeah. So the the analysis of the skeleton, they look at the skull and they're like, you know, the facial structure here really does not match Glenn Hyde very well. Mm, okay. Um, but I find that interesting because you know, it's like you witness a crime and you go to the police um, office, right? And someone does a sketch and then they, they catch the person and they show the pictures. And it's like the sketch is like ambiguous enough that it could be that person, but that that doesn't mean it looks exactly like them, right? So I I don't know what to make of analysis of like skull bones and putting together facial structures after that. Yeah, that but seems I, like a difficult thing to do. Be like, this bone doesn't look like my friend's face. Yeah. Right. And then the pictures that you're looking at are 1920s era pictures. Like, how detailed can they be? Right. Because they're like, his cheekbones are too high. It's like, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That? That's... But then further analysis of the bullet ultimately concluded that it was like a 32 caliber and not a 30 caliber like the rifle. And again, I think, okay. I think the science on... Um, like bullet forensics is not necessarily as no pun intended bulletproof as um, like CSI would lead you to believe. Right. Um, Um, But the main reason that this story falls apart is that Liz Cutler not only has a birth certificate and a traceable past that confirms that she is Liz Cutler, but then um, 
you dig into like the people who know her and they're like, oh, that sounds like something she would do. Like she's a storyteller. She <laughs> oh, loves no. <laughs> and and then you dig into like the river rafting guides and they're like, oh yeah, like like maybe she was joking around a bit. And then we said that she admitted to being Bessie Hyde and it grew and grew. Uh-huh. I uh I mean Liz Cutler would obviously be acquitted in a trial of like not even murder but just like are you Bessie Hyde like there's no way that it would be beyond a reasonable doubt um but like maybe she would lose a civil suit like the evidence that like frees her of being Bessie Hyde is not it's not as conclusive as like her confessing to it right it does sound like she was joking but when people are like oh well the cheekbones are too high and the the smashed bullet in someone's head from 80 or 50 years ago Mm -hmm. is is just a little too big and also she's a jokester it's like are any of those good enough (laughs) but i guess her birth certificate and like the record of her family uh maybe that's conclusive evidence so Liz Collar is probably not uh, Bessie Hyde. Okay, so we crossed Liz Cutler off our list, even though she sounds like a hoot and yeah. someone that we should have uh, <laughs> Friday for the day before she passed. Confessing to a murder that you did not commit takes a certain amount of gusto. Yeah, <laughs> bold strategy. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, suspect number two. So after NBC ran the Hyde story as this Unsolved Mysteries episode, they get a call from this woman. Her name is Glinda, I think. And she said, I saw this Unsolved Murder or Unsolved Mysteries episode, and I think it might be about my dad his name was glenn hyde but with two n's instead of one and she said he also disappeared in 1928 he also liked to go on river rafting trips and he only rafted the colorado river once but the only thing he ever said about that trip was it didn't work out. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't this great? Yeah, this is imagine, imagine being like the NBC intern. It's like, <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Let me get a pen. <laughs> <laughs> Let me get a pen. So who was Glenn Hyde with two N's instead of one? Um, he was previously married. He had a daughter. And then he vanished from that family and from that life in January of 1928. And the great thing about this mystery is that it's set in like the the early 1900s, which is like, when we look back in history on the early 1900s, I feel like we have a lot more information than we do about other centuries. And so we can like get into these pockets of history, but then there's so, many big important gaps in terms of like just how much information was being recorded right and so like like take just the hides themselves so like they disappeared in the late 1920s and because true crime podcasts weren't a thing right it it would have been a podcast like four weeks later like live coverage if it happened today but it wasn't like 30 years until someone started poking around trying to piece together the pieces of the mystery to figure out what actually happened to them. And then they go talk to like the living survive, like the living relatives, the surviving relatives of Glenn and Bessie Hyde, and they don't want to talk to them. And so like the most important generations with all this information about Glenn and Bessie Hyde just die off with other, without ever being on record. Right. Um, so the craziest thing about Glenn Hyde with two ends is that, his birth certificate has never been found because he was born in Missouri during a 10 year period where they weren't recording births for some reason. 
Mm-hmm. And so that's why I love a good mystery that's set in the 1920s to like 40s is like we have enough to be intrigued, but we're also missing it's enough information detail. for there to be like some serious hypotheses going on. I really like the possibility that Glenn Hyde had a second life and he treated it with the like secrecy that I do with passwords. It's like, let's just add another N on Let's it. add <laughs> one more N. <laughs> How do we know that this Glenn had only one N? Uh, that's what the, the woman said. Yeah, I, I, I mean, there's enough. So this woman, so Glenn Hyde died when she, like months after, or no, a few years after she was born. But she doesn't have very much memory of him. And so most of the stories of him come from her oldest brother. Okay. Um, so I think he's like enough in the record for people to be like, yeah, he spelled it with two N's. But they were also like, he showed up in 1935 after he'd been gone for seven years and no one knows where he came from. Well, what I mean is like, maybe it was spelled with two N's. Did like somebody at NBC get it wrong or something? Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. <clears throat> that's uh, yeah, that's a good point. Um, so yeah, so, so stories from Glenn, stories of Glenn came from his oldest son who said the only thing he ever said about his Colorado trip was that his Colorado river trip was that it didn't work out and that he stayed with some local native Americans in a desert for some period of time after it was over. Um, He remarried. He never told his new wife that he had previously had a wife and daughter. And then the last piece of information about Glenn Hyde is that his youngest daughter. So the woman who called NBC, she was once playing under the dining table but the adults didn't know that she was there because apparently the adults would speak but only really when the children weren't in the room and she heard glenn get asked why he had a scar on his back and he said bessie stabbed me (sighs) and then she came out from under the table and said who's bessie and they said go to your room and they never talked about it oh no (laughs) so uh yeah so that's glenn hyde with two ends or maybe just with one and um hopefully we've established maybe these aren't like the most credible stories but we've at least established like a doubt about why the hides don't necessarily have to both be dead because they unintentionally left their boat right Mm -hmm. if one of them was looking to murder the other then yeah it needs to look like glenn's at the bottom of that rope right Mm -hmm. and that is his gun and his the journal are still in the boat, right? Um, so the story of Glenn Hyde, again, his birth certificate has never been found, but it does look like they can trace his family history back to people who know him, like his siblings, who knew him before he disappeared. And that Glenn Hyde grew up in a family and in a state and city that was just not the same place that mm-hmm. Glenn of Glenn and Bessie Hyde grew up so if he murdered bessie basically his whole family and i think another family have to be in on it as well Mm. right which is plausible right i mean if they're trying to cover for him sure yeah yeah Yeah, if you came back from your river rafting honeymoon (laughs) and you said it didn't work out i would lie to the ends of the earth for you very much you'd say no questions asked (laughs) i would say no questions asked he's always spelled it with two r's and two t's (laughs) oh i would turn you in so fast (laughs) yeah no no um patience for an unsolved mystery the truth must go out Uh, like we've already done four episodes i will not do another Uh, Okay, so I think we're putting, we might be ringing the hootie bell on Glenn with two ends. We now come to... A quick question about Glenn. Sure, yeah. Is is he alive at the time that the girl is telling the story? No, he died a few years after the girl was born. And no photos? The photos you should look up. I wonder if you can find them in the internet, or I might have to take pictures of the book. He is strikingly similar to Glenn of Glenn and Bessie. Wow. Like similar height, similar build. Unlike this skeleton with a hole in its head, 
he has the right cheekbones, I guess. Like him? Okay. That's it's kind of, spooky. But yeah. they can't do a match and say that is him? No, I guess not. Yeah. I, again, I think CSI and NCIS have kind of, I expect the computer to like draw a bunch of dots and lines on their face. Yeah. And be, 87% match based on these two photos, but. Well, this photo is very clear. Maybe the other ones aren't so clear. I don't know. Yeah, I'll send you the other one. And uh, if we can find it online, then we can include it. And there's um there's a number of, like there's photos of Liz Cutler compared to photos of Bessie Hyde. Uh, okay. Liz is apparently a little too tall. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, there's Glenn and Glenn, which is um, a bit more similar. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so that brings us to our third and final and my favorite suspect. And I am going to read to you from a chapter in Sunk Without a Sound. In 1992, one of the most famous of all river runners, Georgie Clark, died at the age of 81. Bill George was to deliver the eulogy. And Bill says, we bought Georgie's company when she died and I was conducting the funeral down in Las Vegas. Her trusted friend, Lee McCurry, called that morning, two or three hours before the funeral, and told me, Bill, we don't know who we're burying today. Those were her words. I said, what are you telling me, Lee? I went over to Georgie's trailer and sat down with her, and I threw my funeral talk out the window. I mean, it was not even close. Georgie's name was never Georgie. It was Bessie. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so you dig in on Georgie Clark, who is actually born Bessie DeRoss. In her book that she wrote about her life, she said that she grew up in Chicago, but she was actually born and raised in Denver. And um, I guess continuing race's thread of like curious and and amusing alibis of like, I'm going to change my name. I'm going to add an N. I love that Bessie DeRoss decided that a good way to like throw people off the scent was to write a book about her life and just say things that weren't true. Right. <laughs> Um, also of note, so do you remember Emery Cobb? He's the one who had the cabin on the on the river with the skeleton in it. Mm -hmm. uh, Georgie Clark, who was a famous river rafting guide, apparently hated Emery Cobb, and mm -hmm. it was never clear as to why. Um, but this is my favorite piece of evidence that's not the rope with the other end in the river which is that as they were going through Georgie slash Bessie's things in one of her drawers, they found a pistol and they found a marriage license between Glenn Hyde and Bessie Hyde. Oh my goodness. Whoa. <laughs> from, uh, I, like from the state that they were married in, they lived in Idaho. They might've gotten married in California, but like it is their marriage certificate. It's been, verified and the dates match yeah everything about it is correct and the only thing that can be said about it is you can buy those like you can get them from like a county clerk's office oh yeah uh -huh. you don't have to be one of the participants in the marriage to because she's a river rafting expert, is that right? Yes, that's right. So that's dubious, first of all, because I thought Bessie Hyde was very bad at rafting down the river, but I'm going to put a pin in that to say she knows well the legend of Glenn and Bessie Hyde, probably. Yes. So if she's a super fan, she could say, I think at the end of my life, I'm just going to make a little switcheroo here and throw them off the trail. Yeah. What? Buy, <laughs> buys the marriage certificate. 
Well, I guess my question to that is, what trail is she throwing them on <laughs> by putting them on a totally different trail? But yeah, to your point, it's like, it's a hilarious prank if she knew that, well, she knew that she had been lying about her real name and her upbringing for her entire life for reasons known only to her. And she knew that her real name was the same as the woman in this story that's been going on oh, yeah, the Grand Canyon since it happened. So her birth certificate says Bessie on it? Yeah, it says Bessie DeRoss, and then Bessie Hyde's and then is that, name is Haley. Is that actually Bessie Hyde's maiden name? Oh, okay. So not the same maiden name, and then Bessie DeRoss grew up, it's the same as, like, with uh, Glenn Hyde. Like, she has family who can, like, be relatively well traced and connected with. Um, so she grew up in the Denver area, and Bessie Haley grew up in the California area. Oh, okay. So the maiden name and the location don't quite match. Okay. Interesting. Um, but this one is my favorite because, well, I guess I guess every one of the three possible uh stories or justifications has that one piece of evidence that like just doesn't really sit right and you know doesn't go away like mm -hmm. who is bessie who stabbed glenn in the back on his colorado rafting trip that didn't work out like there is no explanation for that other than coincidences happen um but like why Bessie DeRoss, who's been claiming to be Georgie Clark, has a marriage license in her things. No one has any good explanation other than what a hilarious prank to what play prank. at your own funeral. Yeah, okay. But, um, you know, to to come back to what you put a pin in, I, I love the idea that she murders her husband and is then like, well, I have to get out of here. And she comes to love the Colorado River. And she's like, I'm going to stay here at the scene of the crime for the rest of my life. And I'm going to learn this river better than anyone. See, she was the river rafting guide so that she would, she would always take people just past the area where she threw her husband's body in the room. Just in case there's any little pieces of evidence still lingering. And that she becomes very skilled at it, too. Yes. Yeah. Now I have a superpower. That's because she that's because she sacrificed her husband to the god of the river and <laughs> he granted her <laughs> river rafting abilities. Oh, so we come to the end of our list of suspects and um I don't know that any any of them hold enough water, but I think they are really good fun. And um, if you had to choose one to believe in, which would you choose? I mean, I've got to go the Durasa lady. Who has a marriage license? <laughs> <laughs> well, again, I'm, it's like, I'm keeping the marriage license and the gun that I shot him with under safekeeping yeah. so that no one will trace them back to me huh. yeah and so the gun that she kept that she said she shot him with is it possible that that was the same gun that was found i thought they would have that locked up or something yeah no so the boat had a rifle that was what they had on their trip and so she's not claiming any of this all of this is happening after she's dead right <laughs> yeah, yeah. And her friends are going through her things. Um, but it was a pistol that they found. It was um, a pistol. Okay. But, but I mean, an explained pistol in a drawer is a little suspicious. And and, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and I'll also say that, like, the fact that they found this after she was dead, as they were going through her stuff, lends credibility. Like, if she just showed up and was like, hey, look, I have a marriage license. Then it would be like, yeah, but you're you're trying to get us to look at this. Right. Whereas if it just was found in her among her things, it's like, I don't know that she That's was trying weird. to get us to find this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Except That's that she true. gave that little cryptic comment to the funeral taker at the end, like, hey, you don't know who I am. That's that seems pranky to me. Well, that's the friend though. She's dead. 
Oh, that's the friend. Yeah, oh, she is yeah, and her. her friend, and then this other guy who was like, or I, he he said he was the one who bought her company, but he's like organizing the funeral, so it sounds like they're at least acquaintances. Okay. But her friend calls him over and is like, "I don't know who we're burying today." That's a, which you hear that and you're like over dramatic much, but then it's like her name's Bessie and the marriage license and the pistol are in her clothes drawer. It's like okay, never mind, that's fair. Well, and I have to say, it would be a very Agatha Christie esque detail for there to be a rifle in the boat, but him to have been shot with a different gun. That's, that's true. Yeah. That's spicy. Yeah. That's true. Agatha yeah, Christie would tell us what's on the end of the rope, though. She would. I wish we knew. And we don't have any um, closure on the skeleton, do we? Like, we don't know for sure who that is. We don't know. Um, they said how the best often they are can... there disappearances on the Grand Canyon River? That's the thing. It does happen, right? So there are fatalities, and um, I I actually heard from somebody. Um, kind of recently that like the Grand Canyon is a place that people select when they want to go on their own terms and they don't want to be found or noticed because it's so dangerous and so expansive. And so mm -hmm. it, it's, you know, it's like hypothesized or theorized. This is just somebody who was like a migrant who, um, you know, like wasn't connected enough to have people looking for him once he was missing. But the crazy part is he was shot in the back of the head. It was not, and wow. like the way that it happened, it was not a suicide. Yeah. yeah. So this is a murder victim, but um, his, but is it also a place? Cheekbones are just too high. <laughs> <laughs> and is it a place that someone would dump a body? It seems that way. Yeah. Maybe right. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, spooky stuff going on. Like, um, there's a story that gets referenced in the book when, like, one of the avenues they go down is, like, from where the boat was, could you reasonably hike yourself out of the Grand Canyon, right? Because it's mm, very dangerous. Yeah. And there's a story reference to these two guys who were on a boat and it capsized and one went to hike out and the other stayed with the boat and he had to, like, crawl up, like, climb up this crack right like alex honnold style um and comes back and the guy in the boat are like nowhere to be seen and then they start digging into who he was and that guy had a fake identity and i don't remember why but it's oh, just no. like i guess in the 1920s and 30s people are walking around with different names than <laughs> their real identities and it's just like what is going on down there like Body yeah, snatchers in the caves West. of the Grand Canyon. Yeah. Yeah, crazy That's stuff. Crazy. Um, but I, I love all three of them. I love Liz Cutler for her audacity. Mm -hmm. uh, all three of them, really, for their audacity. Liz Cutler to confess to the murder um, <laughs> at the scene of the crime, uh, but to throw everyone off the scent by changing the murder weapon. Glenn <laughs> Hyde for hiding in plain sight. Uh, when it comes to his name and then uh, Georgie yeah for stashing all the like most damning evidence in her clothes drawer where it would never be found until she was dead um, but you know in, in, in all seriousness it does seem like it is most likely that they were taken out of the boat um, by the river right the way that the boat was left um, unintentionally and then like not on the shore um, the way that like they weren't wearing life jackets and they were in a boat that really wasn't designed to be maneuvering the river like those rapids are no joke and so whether they were both taken out by you know a rapid or one fell and the other went after them or they lost the boat and tried to recover it who knows um, but I do think it's safe to say that like their bodies were washed out to the ocean and that's where they are now but that's it makes fun. sense but i don't i don't know if i buy it there's too <laughs> many too many hijinks happening here 
and, yeah, and, uh, and the fact that the boat didn't like the it seems like the most likely scenario is that they would die on the river like if you just stopped the story at the beginning it's like these people never show up again what do you think happened and that's like uh they drowned they died but <laughs> if that was gonna happen then wouldn't there you think that would have happened because their boat hit rocks and broke into a million pieces because it's the wrong kind of flat bottom boat uh-huh. but it didn't the boat was fine with all their stuff inside yeah uh, I'm I'm glad that I've brought you two over to the side that you're now arguing against <laughs> yeah. me. It reminds me of uh, there's a monk episode where they're in a museum and it's this like frozen corpse from the ice. He goes, Natalie, this man didn't freeze to death. He was murdered. And she's like, that was 12,000 years ago. And he says, well, there's no statute of limitations on murder. And that's that's kind of how I feel about Glenn and Betsy Hyde. It's like, they're almost certainly at the bottom of the ocean, but 50 years later, 50 and 70 and 80 years later, it's like, or maybe one of them murdered, maybe they both murdered each other. And uh, maybe they both thought that they had gotten away with it and went to live out their secret double lives, <laughs> not realizing that neither had succeeded. no footnotes today but to check out the images referenced in this episode visit our instagram page at race and tyler talk wikipedia thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time